Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Thursday, February 1st, 2023. And I am delighted to be with you and I hope that this finds you all doing very well indeed. It's here. February is here. You got your uh, your Valentine's Day plans made, all that sort of stuff. You may not have those. That's okay. Um, you might be a single Pringle, as my daughter calls herself. She's 15, and you better believe she's a single Pringle. But nevertheless, anyway, that may be you, and that's fine. You might have a Valentine. I don't know. Um, maybe we'll talk more about that when we get closer to it. But nevertheless, it is good to be with you, and happy February, everyone. Now, to the business at hand today. We're picking up where we left off in Acts chapter 20, and where we come to today is fascinating. Where, where we left off was this episode of Paul raising Eutychus from the dead, and, I, and even saying that, I've been inaccurate here. It's God raising him from the dead, through Paul, but very interesting turn of events that doesn't really fit into any of the patterns that we've seen thus far. If you're more interested, go back and watch that. But, but now, and it would be yesterday's devotional, but now we come to a section where if you have those nifty but uninspired chapter headings in your word, we start to see kind of a major transition here. And we see it, it's, it's Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. Um, and it's fascinating. Before I told you that for the most part in the book of Acts, we don't really see Paul's heart. We see what he does, right? And, and that's for very good reason. It's as I've been talking about. This is the Acts of the Apostles. Acts is the story. It is the story of how the church was built, how the church was sustained, all of these different things. And so you see a lot of action. You see a lot of doing. And what we're about to read shows a lot of that. But what we're going to first get to today is a hint of Paul really stepping back and making some real declarations, declarations about his call, declarations about what the Lord is doing in his life. And also in that sense of calling, uh, his sense of responsibility. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 13, where we begin today, is a very important transition point in understanding who the Apostle Paul really is. We've seen little glimpses, but today and Monday, because we won't be here tomorrow, but today and Monday, we're going to get a really good glimpse into what's going on in Paul's heart. And as a result, we will see some calling for ourselves too. But all that being said, let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our God and our Father, we praise you for this time that you have given to us and we pray that you would bless us in it as we talk about events, as we talk about names and places and, and ideas. We pray that we would not be swept away in, in just focusing on those things, but instead you would see how uh, that we would see how your word applies to us. We can't do this on our own, so please work in our hearts now and guide us by your Holy Spirit, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up where we left off again. We are in verse 13, and I'm going to read a pretty good chunk here um, and make some comments, but this is telling the story, okay? This is the history, and yes, it's showing Luke's eyewitness account, how this isn't something passed down to him, He's witnessed this, right? So in, in accord with that, verse 13 begins with we. Luke is placing himself in these circumstances. In other words, he's a primary source for this. 
We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met, at, when he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day, we set sail from there and arrived at Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. Now, side note, why is he in a hurry? We're going to find out. Verse 17. Uh, and that's a little foreshadowing. Verse 17, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, pause right there. What's going on here? What is this all about? You know, you have this, this long list of names and places, and first they went here, then they sailed there, and then Paul skipped Ephesus because he didn't want to go back to the province of Asia, but he gets to Miletus, and he has all the elders from Ephesus come and meet him. So who are these people? Well, again, these are elders that originally would have been elected to oversee the, the, the spiritual affairs of the church, right? That's the paradigm that we ran into back in Acts chapter 7. This was the presbyteros, okay? Right, the elders of the church, the ones that were in charge of the church. So he sends to the, for them. They end up coming there. And then Paul starts, this isn't a mea culpa in that he's, he's, he's giving some type of defense necessarily or, or some sort of confession thing. But what we see here is odd for Paul. What we get here is really a glimpse into his psyche, into his motivation, into why he does what he does and what that looks like. Now, there are definite applications here for ministers, right? For men who are charged with preaching the gospel, men such as myself. There are charges here for elders, for men that are in charge of the Lord's church. But there are also applications here for all of us. But let's start with that first one. As a pastor, right, what is the implication here from what Paul is saying? Realize that he talks first about his service there, how he went to live among them, how he served with humility, how he served with tears, how he didn't, you know, serving with humility there denotes the fact that Paul didn't come in with some authoritarian thing wasn't going on. He, he wasn't functioning as some sort of bishop. He came there with a servant's heart and serve is exactly what he did. But also he preached. Again, verse 20, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you but have taught you publicly from house to house. Read between the lines here. Paul has been preaching the truth. He hasn't jumped around and skipped around. He hasn't chosen things that would make him popular. 
He hasn't chosen things that would give just the peaceful, easy feeling. No, 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 no. He has preached the word of God with faithfulness. Now, what's the application for ministers? It should be obvious that pastors too could preach all things that are helpful. That means that pastors should not only be faithful in preaching the word of God, but that the word of God ought to be applicable. There ought to be something that that, that manifests itself in terms of application, admonition for people's lives. It ought to be preaching that matters, okay? So th- there's a conviction there. There's some other things. But this idea of doing this publicly from house to house, the idea is that what he's doing, he's done unceasingly. Okay, he has preached the word in and out of season. Okay, that's the idea. There's applications for elders here too, and not just for pastors, for elders, for men that are given the charge of the spiritual oversight of the church. It is again this idea of comprehensively addressing issues, having courage, having boldness to do what the Lord is calling you to do. And that too is sort of an application for everybody that reads this. Y'all, we are not all called to preach. We are not all called to teach. However, we are all called to proclaim the truth. We're all called to testify to the Lord's greatness. And with that same lack of hesitation exhibited by Paul, so we should go forward boldly, all for the sake of Christ and for his kingdom. Now, there's something else here that I want to bring out as a side note. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. That's verse 21. As a major side note, but an important one nonetheless, I've mentioned this before. There are those that that have gotten things so twisted theologically speaking that they still view Jews, ethnic Jews, as God's chosen people that that they don't even need Jesus. John Hagee has mentioned that he's not even concerned with evangelizing Jews anymore. That's garbage because... The Apostle Paul was concerned about evangelizing Jews. Guess what? He was one, right? He had been saved. Nevertheless, that's a minor thing, but I think it's important to bring out. Now, he's told them this, and this is just an introductory statement here, this, this broad statement about what he's done. And he's saying, you know that I've done this. He's pointing to faithfulness, not not gloatingly, but he's saying, you know this has been my focus. You know this is what I've done. But why? And why is he trying so hard to get to Jerusalem before Pentecost? We find out why not only he has done what he's done, but why such focus. Verse 22, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You want to know why Paul did what he did? I don't know if you ever thought about that before. You see these incredible things. You want to know what his motivation was? Y'all, it's more than just motivation, it's a compulsion. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Paul genuinely was compelled by the Holy Spirit to do what he did. And what you find from Paul is a couple of things. You find availability and reliability. Paul made himself available to the Spirit and was reliable to follow the Spirit's calling. 
and all the other things that happen, those, that's, that's just glory to God, you see. But this piece of Paul's soul that is put on display in front of us right here, right now, it ought to be one of these texts in God's Word, and it is, whether you realize it or not, but it ought to be one of these texts to us that reads us more than we read it. Think about the conviction in what we've just read, that Paul is compelled to go, that he's saying, hey, I got to get there. I got to go there because I know this is what the Lord is telling me to do. And yet he's saying this after explaining why he's done what he's done, that he's been compelled by the Holy Spirit to preach God's word, to be faithful in preaching God's word in humility and in tears. But this ought to be a wake-up call for us. I do this all the time. I preached about this Sunday. Y'all, there are many responses that we ought to have to God's word when we read it, right? Being informed is one of those things, but if you never get to that point of self-examination where you say, all right, this is what the Bible says, why do I do things the way I do things? Take this opportunity. Why do you do what you do? What is your motivating factor? What really drives you? Because here, we see not some Superman. No, we see availability and reliability. We see Paul making himself available to the Holy Spirit, submitting himself, yielding to the Holy Spirit's guidance, and him being reliable, him being faithful, and the Lord blessing that. And the end result is that Paul's ultimate motivation is not treasure, his ultimate motivation is not fame, recognition, respect. Mm -mm. His only motivation. Verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. How do you get there? I don't know, when you read things like this, do you say, wow, it's just incredible that he could be so sold out to Jesus, that he could be so committed? Well, y'all, you get there through surrender. You get there through recognizing that this life that you lead, your life is not really your life. That this time that you have, it's not really your time. These treasures that you're either trying to amass or these treasures that you're either trying to gain, your time, your treasures, they aren't yours, and neither are your talents. Time, talent, and treasure, the three T's that we try to convince ourselves belong to us, but when in reality they belong to God, it's surrendering those to him. Now recognize what Paul's doing here seems dramatic. It's like, wow, yeah, he's pretty, pretty emotional here. He's not exaggerating, though. As we're going to see in verse 25, we'll, we'll begin here tomorrow because I don't, we're 15 minutes in, but I don't really want to get to this today. But he says in verse 25, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the gospel will ever see me again. Instead of reading what we've read thus far as dramatic and, you know, that sort of thing, realize what Paul is doing here. 
There's no Zoom. There's no Skype. There's no direct flight from Jerusalem back to Ephesus. Paul, without exaggeration or sensational, sensationalizing it, has said, the Holy Spirit's been revealing to me that very soon here, I'm going to face some serious, serious issues. And he's convicted in his heart that he's never going to see these men again. And so he's got some things to say. What? Well, I've already heard part of it. In light of never seeing them again, we've heard what our motivation ought to be, what our focus ought to be. And back to that motivation piece, we've seen why we ought to do what we do. Now, back to my question. Why do you do what you do? That's such an important question to ask because I found that when you just go through life, isn't it easy to just get stuck in a rut? It's February 1st. You put your head down. You know, you can get things done week in, week out. Soon enough, it'll be July 1st, right? Then it'll be September. Then it'll be Christmas all over again. And time just moves. When you put your head down and you never examine why you're doing what you're doing, it denotes a lack of openness. It denotes a lack of availability and reliability. Brothers and sisters in Christ, beloved of God our Father, we have received a higher calling. What is it, this calling? While we are not the Apostle Paul, none of us, we have received that same calling to be compelled by the Holy Spirit, to submit ourselves, to ask of God, what would you have me do? And in those cases where God's word so clearly applies, we don't even have to ask God. We, we know what God wants us to do. It, it's here. We are then forced with the task of reliability. Will we be faithful? This is a strange place to stop a daily devotional, but again, I don't want to get into the next section here. But with this odd interlude in the book of Acts, where the story stops and where we get a glimpse into Paul's heart, let me encourage you on this, the last daily devotional of the week, take a glimpse into your heart. That's what I'm doing. And y'all, it is convicting. It's very convicting. Let this be a prompting to us as we see Paul's example of availability and reliability to examine our availability what we make ourselves available to the Lord to do, how reliable we are. Are we striving for faithfulness? Dwell on these things. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time, and we pray that while our callings are different than the Apostle Paul, that we would be available and we would be reliable, that we would be trustworthy and faithful to do what Paul did in the way that you're calling us to. If there are pastors watching this, let us be faithful as we preach the word. If there are elders, let us be faithful as we rule the church. If it's just followers of Christ, let us be faithful in realizing that we have that great privilege and task of proclaiming the gospel of grace. But Father, in all of these things, let us examine why we do what we do. Let our motivation be subject to you. Please guide us. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Yes, that's right. 
We are still worshiping in Providence Hall, two services. The first is at 9, then we have Sunday school at 10, and then we have the next service at 11. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that with us. And then we'll be back Monday morning, Lord willing, at 6 a.m. This will be available. I will look forward to that time. But in the meantime, I hope you have an excellent weekend and do that self-evaluation. It'll do you some good. Take care.